A dog barks when his master is attacked. I would be a coward if I saw that God's truth is attacked and yet would remain silent. John Calvin. I do not. And don't you ever say I did. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. <laughs> There's probably a, a balance between, I believe you have to know Christ, but... God is in hell. He is. And someone knows this for sure. All of mankind is going to end up somewhere in heaven. <laughs> My mission really is to just help people of faith, especially, to re-examine this issue, to realize the church has got things wrong in the past. For those who are gods by faith in his son... <laughs> Right? 2 Corinthians 3.17 Victory in the name which is above every name. There's no exception for rape or incest. Uh, it's an extreme law. And... Right now, bones, ligaments, tendons, in Jesus' name, get out here right now. So put your trust in the sovereign risen king. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 20 of The Master's Dog. I am your host, The Evangelical Norm. Uh, so today we are, I, I seem to be a little bit uh, excited. I don't know why. Um, maybe because it's not one in the morning and uh, I'm recording at a reasonable time. Uh, so yeah, I'm fully awake. I probably won't yawn during this episode, um, which is exciting. Uh, had a little technical difficulty last night uh, when I, at my usual yawning time of recording videos, and so we had to put it off until I got home from work today to uh, do this episode. So we are going to jump back in and we are going to resume our responses to the Saints Unscripted Faith and Beliefs portion of their podcast. Today, David is going to talk to us about the Joseph Smith translation of the Bible, and then we are going to respond to the things that he says, like we always do. So, that being said, let's jump right in and uh, turn on the sound, and let's see what David has to tell us about the Joseph Smith translation.
Hey guys, today we're going to talk about the Joseph Smith translation of the Bible, the JST. Now this is a very unique translation experience for Joseph and there are a lot of misconceptions about it. So let's jump right in. Let the excuses begin. So between 1830 and 1833, Joseph goes through the entire Bible and makes revisions. In this episode, we're going to look at three questions. What kind of changes is Joseph making in the JST? How is he receiving the revelation to make those changes? And how are Latter-day Saints using the JST today? And the JST revises over 3,000... In reality, those second two questions are basically pointless. Uh, the first question should not be what kind of revisions is Joseph making? Why is he making revisions? That's the, that's the key question that, that should be asked. Why? Why is he changing this? Has he found new manuscripts to show the uh, lacking portions of the Bible that aren't translated correctly? Um, is he translating from uh, original manuscripts? And uh, again, why? What is the purpose of the, the revisions that he's making? David is going to address a little bit of that here in a second, and then we'll talk more. 1,400 verses. So first off, what kind of changes is Joseph making? A guy named Philip Barlow sorts them into six categories. Long revealed editions, such as the visions of Moses and Enoch, this is by far the most important category of changes. Common sense changes, like Jeremiah 18.8. Interpretive editions, like Luke 6.29 harmonization of Bible passages, for example, the way Judas dies in Matthew versus Acts. By far the most common type of change the prophet made in the Bible includes grammatical improvements, technical clarifications, and modernization of terms. For example, changing which to who, meat to food, etc. And there's also a miscellaneous category for everything else. For example, taking out many of the italicized words from the King James Version of the Bible, changing dream to vision, etc. So that's a quick rundown of what kind of changes you can expect to see in the JST. The next question is, how is Joseph going about this translation? Okay, so let's talk about the what revisions are being made. Now, the long revealed editions, the Book of Moses, Book of Abraham, we discussed that, or Enoch, those are discussed through, uh, as we talk about the book of, or the Pearl of Great Price, um, the book of Abraham, and so on. The Egyptian papyri, which is where Joseph supposedly got all of this stuff. The book of Abraham, the book of Enoch were supposedly revealed somehow through that. Nowhere are there manuscripts, just like with the Book of Mormon. We have absolutely no manuscripts in order to verify these additions that he has made. So they might as well be fabrications. Uh, we have nothing to verify the validity or the truth of these things. We can't go back like we can with the rest of the Bible and, and look at thousands upon thousands upon thousands of ancient manuscripts of, of Old and New Testament in the original languages, Greek, Hebrew, uh, and so on. We don't have that for these revisions. So the, so we can dismiss those out, out of hand. They're fabrications made by Joseph Smith. Um, the other stuff, the grammatical things, so on, I don't really um, care about. I mean, we it, it's like the um, 
you know, NIV and so on, going from word for word, thought for thought. You know, if if he thinks that his grammar is better than King James, great, whatever. You know, more power to you. Fix a few things, change a couple of words here and there. But the other thing, um, the the real important stuff is the actual additions to things like Matthew, things like due to are, are throughout the Bible. I don't. Again, I, I should have probably pulled up and seen exactly what he added to. If he added to the book of Deuteronomy, if he added to the book of Revelation, those are two books that specifically say, do not add to this scripture or certain curses will fall upon you. Um, So I'm not going to use those verses as, you know, an uh, argument against the Book of Mormon or the rest of scripture that gets changed. But specifically, if he did change either of those, I should probably look it up. Uh, in a, in another episode or maybe in the description, I'll I'll let you know um, what I find. But the other changes, again, adding verses to the Bible um, where they're not showing in any of the ancient manuscripts that we have. Again, thousands upon thousands upon thousands of ancient manuscripts, all that have been kind of corroborated and looked at together it's where we get our books and and things that show very uh textual variants and so on these things have been examined and um and and looked at so um sorry my phone is ringing i should have turned that off um so uh again when we have the evidence of the book of, of of the Bible and all of those manuscripts that we have, and then we have Joseph deciding to add things to them, none of which shows up in any of these manuscripts, it's suspect. It, it, I mean, here he is now claiming to add things that are not there, and it's simply not there, and we can prove that they were not there. Now, I personally wish we didn't use the term translation here because it understandably confuses people. A 1997 article published by the church clarified, the prophet did not translate the Bible in the traditional sense of the word, that is, go back to the earliest Hebrew and Greek manuscripts to make a new rendering into English. Rather, he went through the biblical text of the King James Version and made inspired corrections, revisions, and additions to the biblical text. Okay. So he went back through and made inspired corrections, revisions, and additions. Okay, supposedly the Book of Mormon was inspired and that had to been changed. The, supposedly the Book of Abraham was inspired and that was proven to be a fraud. Why would we ever trust the inspired corrections, revisions, and additions that he makes to biblical text without any, any, uh, you know, again, they they talk about how Joseph Smith was uh, a poor, uneducated boy. He couldn't have possibly written the Book of Mormon on his own. But now suddenly he's this grand uh, scholar of biblical uh, propriet- or proportions. And he's able to, and they talk about it here in a minute, he starts out getting revelation through his little stone in the hat. And then he just starts reading through. And, and so when did Joseph go from being... 
the the dumb farm boy who couldn't write a book on his own to being the amazing biblical scholar that without any help, any manuscripts, anything like that, he can just make additions to the Bible. It's a question that has to be answered. So this kind of translation just means to express in more comprehensible terms, which is what is happening in a lot of the JST. With the exception of the big revelations in the first category, I'd agree with the researcher who said, reading the JST is akin to having the prophet at your elbow as one studies. It allows Joseph to clarify, elaborate, and comment on the biblical text in the light of modern revelation. We have plenty of teachers and pastors and so on who have written commentaries on the Bible. John MacArthur, uh, at a loss for names at the moment, I, again, um, Henry's commentaries and, and, you know, I have my MacArthur study Bible. We have tons of other teachers and uh, men who have written commentaries and studies. None of them added to the Bible. None of them went, well, you know, as I'm looking at this, this scripture should probably really read this. This is not a commentary. This is a man claiming to have absolute access to God, and God is changing his revealed word through this man. So there shouldn't be mistakes. There shouldn't, again, if this is truly a prophet of God, if these things are proven to be wrong and false, then he has proven himself, disqualified himself as even being considered a prophet. And he's learning as he goes. He's receiving some revelation, apparently directly from the Spirit, and he's also studying things out in his mind. I think the best way to describe how Joseph receives the JST is described in Doctrine and Covenants 88. Seek ye out of the best books words of wisdom. Seek learning even by study and also by faith. The JST is the result of both study and faith. There's some evidence that he used the Urim and Thummim or seer stone a bit, probably just in Genesis, and then he's hitting the books. On the church's website, it says Joseph appears in many instances to have consulted respected commentaries by Bible scholars, studying them out in his mind as a part of the revelatory process. For example, many of Joseph's minor changes reflect the Bible commentary of Adam Clark. One Latter-day Saint researcher named Royal Skousen has a unique opinion about the JST that I tend to agree with. Back in 2005, he said, It is a mistake, I believe, to automatically assume that every change in the JST is inspired or that the final version is in its entirety a revealed text. Then why do it? This is, this is the stuff that frustrates me. Because obviously Joseph Smith did not consider it like this. Now as they go back and they see the... the, the problems and the now they're trying to explain it away they're trying to fool you this is the deception of the mormon church they are literally lying to you joseph smith did not consider this translation to be well it was not necessarily all revealed text he wrote this out re considered it to be scripture and gave it back to the church claiming that god gave him these things he is a false prophet, he is a deceiver, he is a con man, and now they're trying to cover it up and lie to you by by well, it wasn't it's not necessarily all revealed text. 
Why bother? He also said the evidence from the JST manuscripts themselves clearly suggests that not everything in the JST is of equal value. The beginning work appears to involve a word-for-word -word revelation. The later work often reflects very human methods that were applied to alter the text. So how do Latter-day Saints use the JST today? Well, after Joseph Smith's death, there was a schism in the church, and the JST became the property of the reorganized Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. They published it back in 1867. It's known as the Inspired Version of the Bible. The RLDS Church has since given our church... They considered it to be the inspired version of the Bible. Let that resonate. This is not that they were like, well, you know, Joseph maybe made, you know, some improvements, some commentary, blah, blah, blah. They considered this to be God speaking to a prophet, making absolute changes to his word. This is not what Mr. Skuzin and David, in turn, are trying to convince you of today. Church access to the original manuscripts. You can find about a third of the JST in the footnotes or appendix of our King James Bibles. But the only portions of the JST that we've chosen to canonize are the Book of Moses and the JST of Matthew 24. Why haven't we canonized the rest? Well, for a long time we couldn't for copyright reasons. Nowadays we could publish it, but I doubt it's going to happen. The simple fact is that the president of the church hasn't received any revelation indicating that it needs to be canonized. To wrap this But Joseph received enough revelation that he felt it should be canonized because he changed the Bible. He changed the canon. So Joseph obviously believed it should be canonized. and But now you're, oh, well, you know, the president hasn't really, the, the current prophet hasn't received that kind of revelation. So, well, you know, this is the deception of the Mormon church. This is the lies that they are selling you. This is, this is glaring. And I can't, I, I don't understand why people can't get it. You have been lied to. You have been sold a bill of goods of something that is not true. Something that is fabricated by a con man and has been carried on decade after decade, century upon almost another century of, of other men who I'm convinced know that they are lying to the people, but financially and pride and all these other things cause them to refuse to, to repent and, and call it what it is, a fraud. This whole thing up, I present you with a quote from the church back in 1974. The inspired version, or JST, does not supplant the King James Version as the official church version of the Bible. But the explanations and changes made by the prophet Joseph Smith provide enlightenment and useful commentary on many biblical passages. Again, obviously this is not how Joseph considered it. He changed it. He gave it to the church as the inspired version. God gave me and helped me change. So now we have the Bible as, we, as it's translated correctly, supposedly, but you still won't use it. Again. This is the deception of the Mormon church. If you have questions, check out our website and the links below. Hope you learned something and have a great day. Yeah, we learned something. 
I think we learned that, again, there are certain things that I can let go. You know, the Book of Mormon and, and the discussions about how that came about and so on. Yes, I'm passionate about it. This is the literal changing of God's word. This is literally Joseph Smith stepping into the place of the Holy Spirit who inspired the canon that we have and overlooking mountains of evidence to show the the corroborating truth of what we have within the Bible and said, I am going to change it to fit my own theology, to fit my evolving theology in, in the doctrine of this false church. And I'm going to change this word of God. And that is stuff that makes me angry. That is stuff that will, will get me going. You start again. It's just like the quote at the beginning of the episode and why we call this the master's dog. A dog barks when his master is attacked. I would be a coward if I saw God's word was attacked and yet I remain silent. This is literally an attack and a perversion of God's revealed word to his church. And it's an abomination. It's heretical. It's blasphemous. Insert your extreme adjective here. It is proof that Joseph Smith was a false prophet, that the Mormon church is a false church that offers no salvation. And we as Christians, if you're listening to this and you're a Christian, if, first, if you're listening to this and you're a Mormon, please run. Run from this false church. Run to the, to the true Christ, who is God incarnate, not a one of many gods, not one of a, a plethora of gods or a council of gods. He is the God in flesh, the only incarnation of God, the in, being in very nature God in himself, who went to the cross, not Gethsemane, who went to the cross to pay the penalty for your sin. The, the Jesus of the Mormon church, who is a, a, a product of a physical relationship between Elohim and Mary, the literal older brother of Lucifer, is not the God of the Bible, is not the Christ of the Bible, and is not a Christ that can give you salvation. Run! And Christian, this is why we need to be doing what brothers are doing at the LDS Temple in Salt Lake every Thursday night. What people from Apologia down in, in Arizona are doing on Sunday afternoons. What uh, Zach Conover and uh, Apologia Kauai are doing on Sundays. Going to the LDS ward houses, going to the temple and sharing truth with the LDS people. Because we need to give them the truth. We need to preach the gospel at all times and we need to use words because they're necessary. And until next time, Soli Deo Gloria. Mm-hmm.